0: Welcome to the Brothers in Crime podcast. We are brothers. We talk about true crime. We don't take ourselves too seriously. And you shouldn't either.
1: In the last episode, we talked about Tupac's life from childhood through his rise to rap stardom and some of the alliances and ops that developed along the way. Now we'll jump back in just a couple hours before the murder.
0: Do You remember Trayvon Lane, dude from Lakewood Mall from the Foot Locker?
1: Yes, the one whose medallion was stolen
0: bingo so he's actually with the death row crew in vegas apparently back then it was like a big deal on these big fight nights where uh, all the gangs from la would just load up people would and they'd go and they didn't really care about the fight so much but there was just so much electricity in the air in vegas the partying the drinking the women things that were going on they would just go to vegas for the parties so there's a lot of folks who were there for this fight night so Travon's there, he's with the Death Row crew, and as they're leaving the arena where the fight is, making their way through MGM Grand, some reports say Trayvon spotted somebody he recognizes. What's clear is that this person is there, Orlando Anderson. You remember who that is? Yeah. All right, so we've got Orlando is spotted by the Death Row crew. Some accounts say Trayvon points him out to Tupac. And other sources say that Orlando said something that upset Tupac. I think it's more likely that the crew recognizes him and knows that he's the guy who is responsible for taking Trevon's medallion. Either way, what happens, what is absolutely clear, is that Tupac and the Death Row crew rush Orlando and proceed to beat him in the middle of the MGM Grand. Now, in case you're wondering how I'm so sure about this part, it's in the MGM Grand, and it's on video. You can watch it.
1: Yeah, there's surveillance video of parts of that altercation.
0: Yeah, and it's grainy.
1: 1996 video isn't perfect, but and that's why I say parts of the altercation, because it's not exactly like today where there's 37 cameras from every angle at 4K resolution, but there's enough that, like you said, yeah, what you're sure of, is that altercation took place.
0: Exactly. The whole confrontation's over pretty quickly, a matter of less than a minute, probably I'd say 15, 30 seconds. Remember, it's fight night, Vegas, MGM Grand. So the crew has to roll. There's actually a security guy who's there, like watching, starts to try to intervene and then realizes very quickly that I'm good. I'm going to let them do this till they leave and just ask for backup. As they kind of realize like, well, there's a lot of people around. We're in this casino, security's coming. Like, all right, we got to go. So they leave the MGM. Tupac heads back to his hotel. They walk to the Luxor, where they're staying. And he tells his girlfriend who's there at the hotel about the fight with Anderson. And he tells her to stay at the hotel instead of going out with him because he thinks something's up. And he heads back down to the lobby to meet Suge. Now, after some time they spent at Shug's mansion, they decide they're going to head to Club 662, which was planned. This was the plan, and it wasn't a secret plan. It was a very public plan. Before I get to that, though, do you remember old school phones, how there were letters assigned to numbers? Yeah. Okay, so 662 would be the numbers you'd dial for MOB, which stood for Member of Bloods. So Club 662 is like a blood hangout. Club. Whatever. Suge was actually in the process of buying the club. And this was supposed to be a big celebratory night, including Tupac performing at the club that night. So Suge and Pac are on their way to the 662. They're on the strip and it's about 11 o'clock at night. At this point, they're rolling in Pac's new 96 7 series Beamer, which in case you don't know, that's a pretty nice car. It's got some sweet rims on it. Suge is driving and Pac is in the passenger seat. Now they actually get stopped by Vegas bike cops, like bicycle, Right. For playing their car stereo too loudly and not having license plates displayed. So they get stopped, and then they look, and the license plates are actually in the trunk of the car. So they get those out, and they put them on. And ultimately, they are let go without incident. There's no ticket, nothing. The cops just tell them, turn your stereo down, keep your plates on your car, and have a good night. Now, some women in another car recognize Suge, and they see Pac while this is going on. And so they start fangirling, you know, Oh, Suge, Pac, oh my gosh! And these women say that they're invited to follow them to the club. So they're basically like, yeah, what's up? Follow us. We're going to 662. So they jump in this caravan. There's a number of cars. It's not just and Pock. There's some bigger suburban type vehicles that are following behind because you don't know who you're going to bring back to the hotel from the club. And there's other people, part of their crew that are going there. A few minutes later, a white four-door caddy pulls up in the next lane beside Pac's Beamer on Pak's side. And then a man in the back seat pulls out a handgun and starts firing into the car. Four bullets tear into Tupac's body. He's hit twice in the chest. One bullet enters his right lung. He's hit once in the arm and once in the thigh. Suge would be grazed by a fragment of something in his head. He was bleeding a lot, but he was really concerned about Tupac. Tupac was badly hurt. Now, I want to share an account of what the scene was like verbatim from a retired police sergeant that was on the scene when this all went down. Chris Carroll has relayed this account, and I've pulled it from a CNN article. The link will be in the show notes. I just think his version of sort of the chaos of this moment and what's going on, I assume he's telling the truth. I don't think he has any reason to lie. And I think it probably accurately gets across what was going on that night. So this is what he says. I grabbed the car door and I'm trying to open it, but I can't get it open. Should keeps coming up on my back. So I'm pointing my gun at him. I'm pointing it at the car and I'm yelling, you guys lay down and you get away from me. And every time I point the gun at him, he'd back off and even lift his hands up. Like, all right, all right. So I'd go back to the car and here he comes again. And I'm like, back off. This guy is huge. And the whole time he's running around at the scene, he's gushing blood from his head, gushing blood. The guy had clearly been hit in the head, but he had all his faculties. I couldn't believe he was running around and doing what he was doing, yelling back and forth. Now, Carol says when he finally was able to open the door, Tupac's limp body fell out of the vehicle like he was leaning against the door. So he continues on to say, So I grabbed him with my left arm, and he falls into me, and I've still got my gun in the other hand. He's covered with blood, and I immediately noticed that the guy's got a ton of gold on, a necklace and other jewelry, and all of the gold is covered in blood. That's always left an image in my mind. After I pulled him out, Shug starts yelling at him, Pock, Pock! And he just keeps yelling it. And the guy I'm holding is trying to yell back at him. He's sitting up and he's struggling to get the words out, but he really can't do it. And as Sugar's yelling, Pac, I looked down and I realized that this is Tupac Shakur. And then I saw in his face, in the movements, all of a sudden, in the snap of a finger, he just changed. And he went from struggling to speak, being non-cooperative to an almost I'm at peace type of thing. Just like that. He went from fighting to I, I can't do it. And when he made the transition, he looked at me and he's looking right into my eyes. And that's when I looked at him and said one more time, who shot you? He looked at me, he took a breath to get the words out and he opened his mouth and I thought, I was actually gonna get some cooperation. And the words came out, you. After that, he started gurgling and slipping out of consciousness. So that's the scene. Pac's taken to the hospital and they end up sedating him because he's in and out and somewhat combative and needs a lot of medical intervention. Ultimately, after removing his right lung and going into respiratory failure, Tupac died on September 13, 1996, just three days short of the one-year anniversary of signing with Death Row Records.
1: Tupac's reaction to that question and the fact that his last words were you, it represents his distrust of police, mm-hmm. of government, and how he and and those around him believed that you handled your own problems on your own. So you want to say, well, why does Tupac distrust the police? Go back to the life story you just told us. Mm-hmm. His mother had been tried for some crimes that she obviously wasn't guilty of that would have put her behind bars and given birth to him in prison, and she would have died in prison. Then the assault case, he and an accomplice get convicted of the exact same thing. He gets a million dollar bond and sent to Amora and his friend gets a misdemeanor, no jail time. So from his perspective, law and justice is not his friend. He'll handle it on his own.
0: And let's not forget about the case in Atlanta where he gets arrested and charged with this stuff with these cops that are off-duty police officers and then the case ends up getting thrown out. Why? Because they're the ones that started it and right. had a gun on them that was illegal.
1: But he, until that was all figured out, he was looked at as the instigator, the bad guy, and the criminal. His life experiences with law enforcement and the justice system have told him, you yeah, know, not dealing with these people. There is some irony in the fact that the one of the, if not the king of gangster rap, his dying words were you."
0: Yeah, as we were talking about this, it just made me think, and I didn't include this in my notes, but the that one song he had, Running, it's about running from the cops, the lyrics from that. And he says, I wonder if they'll laugh when I'm dead. Why am I fighting to live if I'm just living to fight? Why am I trying to see when there ain't nothing in sight? Why am I trying to give when no one gives me a try? Why am I dying to live if I'm just living to die? Yeah, he is a deep dude. Despite this shooting taking place just off the strip in Vegas, To date, nobody has been charged with Tupac's murder. There are many theories. You could probably create an entire podcast solely devoted to this case. But we're going to take a 30,000-foot view approach. I'm going to just rattle off some of the common, if not crazy, theories. And then we're going to dive into what I think is the most probable answer to who shot tupac well
1: that's good because we've had some very recent like within the last month or two developments in this case that may or may not yield any information i don't want to go out of order here but this is 27 years later and like you said just off the strip the location where he was shot he's in public on the road las vegas streets are not exactly dark pretty much broad daylight at night (laughs) there in a caravan of vehicles in front of and behind and around his vehicle there were witnesses yeah there are plenty of witnesses uh, unlike some person who like me if i got shot and killed and information about me may not be widely available when it comes to a celebrity like tupac and his entourage who's in vegas before the shooting There is video camera footage of everything he's done, so the victimology should be about as easy as it gets. Why in the hell, 27 years later, are we still wondering who shot Tupac?
0: That's a great question, and I think that's what leads to these theories, some of which are a little, maybe more fringe than others. But you make some good points, and just to kind of reiterate some of that stuff, it's Saturday night. It's 11 o'clock at night. If you've never been to Las Vegas... That is when Las Vegas wakes up. You're right. I think it's more broad daylight at 11 o'clock at night than it is at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And there's certainly more people out and around at that time. Also, it's a fight night. So there's a ton of people there. Traffic was actually moving slowly. You know, they were kind of making their way in traffic. There's all these people on the streets. There's a ton of witnesses. Some of the issues, as you mentioned, with Tupac's last words... A lot of people who are in this orbit, they're not going to talk to the cops. My understanding is Suge has never really given the cops any information that he has or may have about what went down that night. He just wouldn't cooperate with them. So some of those theories that I mentioned, my favorite, because it's insane, is that he's still alive. He's down in Cuba or Brazil or Puerto Rico or whatever. Pock is dead, guys. I I don't know how else to say it. He's just he's not alive. We're not even gonna talk about it. The next one, in order of kind of craziest, is that Suge was behind the hit. Have you heard this one?
1: I have heard this one, and I honestly was open to that theory for quite a long time.
0: Yeah, I mean it's fair. Suge is definitely a scary guy. He has the connections. I think this theory starts to fall apart. Some people say The reason that they believe Suga's behind it is because Tupac was looking to... Remember, he's got this contract that he signed, put out three records with Death Row. He's not really getting the share of the pie that he should be getting. So he's looking to do like an OG Taylor Swift type thing, right? He wants to start his own record label, put out his own stuff, maybe sign his own people. But when diving into that, my understanding is his label, which was going to be Machiavelli Records, was going to have a distribution deal with Death Row. So even though it was his own thing, and he was going to get a bigger cut and all that kind of stuff, he was still going to have a deal where it would fall under Death Row. So it wasn't like he was looking to go be Shook's competition. It was almost like it was going to be this symbiotic relationship. If you think about Dr. Dre, and he signs Eminem, and then Eminem signs 50, and so they have their whole thing going on where everybody's making money, everybody's doing well. So it was more like that. Also, some people have pointed out, Suge is in the car with Tupac. And this part of the theory has cut both ways. So some people say Suge is in the car with Tupac. Oh my gosh, if he's going to order him to be hit, why wouldn't he order him to be hit when he's not like a foot next to him in the same car and bullets are coming his way? Plus, Suge was grazed in the head either with a bullet or some sort of fragment or whatever. So some folks say that's just too dangerous. Suge could have had him hit anywhere if he was going to be the one behind it. Why would he do it while he's in the car with him on the Las Vegas trip? Could have done it anywhere else. Other folks say, well, that's perfect, right? Because nobody's going to suspect him because he is in the car. Not to mention, Suge is six foot four or something. He's a huge dude. He looks like a D lineman. Tupac is average to average smaller. So the fact that Tupac gets hit multiple times and killed in this shooting, and Suge, who's much bigger, doesn't get hit at all, really, other than getting Grace in the head, shows that this was an intentional hit on Tupac and that Suge didn't get hurt, so supports the theory that Suge was behind it. I'm not convinced. To me, I just don't think there's enough there. I think Suge's reaction that this police officer who has no incentive to make anything up, at least that I could see, Suge seems genuinely like really upset about what's happened. And Tupac, and we see even in death, his records go on to make a lot of money. It just doesn't make sense to me from a business standpoint, from a friendship standpoint, Everything that I've looked at, that theory just doesn't, it doesn't hold water for me.
1: That's what Suge's wife has said about the deal is that, and she didn't use these words, but basically Tupac was a cash cow and Suge wasn't going to cut off the money supply she also said that they were on good terms, there wasn't any issue, and there was no truth to the theory that...
0: There was some bad blood or yeah,
1: something. Yeah, but Suge has a history of being violent toward his own artists. You know, remember when he dangled Vanilla Ice <laughs> off a hotel balcony, like, by
0: the feet? And To be fair, tell me you didn't want to do that to Vanilla Ice.
1: Oh, I think Rob's a good guy. If you go back a little bit farther, Easy e Eric Wright, in his dealings with Suge... He went to Jerry Heller and said, you know, look, I think I'm going to take him out. He told Jerry Heller he was going to kill Suge because of what he was doing. And Jerry convinced him not to and later said maybe he shouldn't have talked him out of that. Because, (laughs) of course, Easy e ended up dead and there's suspicion that Suge was behind that. There's a big cloud of suspicion around Suge for many things.
0: That's fair, and I'm glad you brought that stuff up because that really does show why there are people who believe that show was behind the hit, and it's a theory for a reason, and I think what you just said ties that in. Now, next is the idea that Puffy or Big and or Bad Boy Records altogether, Puffy and Big, that they were behind it. Now, this one, there's some credence there. There's You've got Bad Boy Records is tied in with these South Side Crips, and uh, to the extent that we're going to get into... This idea of Orlando Anderson here in a minute because that's the theory that I think makes the most sense So to the extent that bad boy is aligned with them And there's some people have said puffy put it out there biggie put it out there Not hey go kill tupac on this day and I will pay you this amount of money but oh man, somebody should get him and if somebody got him, I'd give some money for that, or oh, I, you know, I'd pay a million dollars to see Tupac dead. So there were allegations that comments like that were made to insinuate or suggest that they would have maybe rewarded some of these gang members if Tupac were to be taken out, or if Suge were to be taken out. But here, like you said, here we are, 27 years later. If there was a money trail, if there was hard evidence, you would think by now that it would have been found. And I think that was one of the things that at least police looked into was the involvement of Puffy. And you remember, he got some charges, gun charges, and like an assault or something in New York related to some illegal weapons and stuff that he had back in the early 2000s, because J-Lo testified at the grand jury and So it's not like the police haven't looked into Puff Daddy and Biggie and some of that stuff at some point in history.
1: Given the fact that Biggie or Puff Daddy happened to be in the same place that bad things happened to death row people in the past, certainly I think they'd be suspects. I don't think Biggie was involved in it because I think Biggie was hurt. I don't think he was angry. I don't think he had it in his heart to kill Tupac, even though the situation was bad I don't think he hated Tupac. I really don't. And I don't think that's the way he would have wanted that to go.
0: And that's with any good theory. There's a shred of truth and then there's a lot of speculation. And I think that's what we see with most of these ones I'm talking about now. The last one is that Dirty Cops did it. Obviously, Dirty Cops are a problem. And there are dirty cops involved in the orbit of these people. There's some off-duty and former police officers who are working in security roles for these crews.
1: That's cool, but who are these dirty cops doing it on behalf of? Because dirty cops don't just go kill people for fun. There has to be a buyer. Who was the buyer then? And I think that would lead back to who? Shug the Southside Crips, to back to Puffy. Mm-hmm. Who who did it lead back to if that, who the shooter was?
0: You're exactly right. That's a great point. So I just put that out there to say there's other stuff. What I'm sharing isn't the gospel. If it was, there'd be convictions and hardcore proof, and we'd all, we'd have seen a movie that tells you exactly how it goes down, but that's not the case. Now, there have been whole books written about some of these theories. There's multiple books about Tupac's murder, about the theories, about who did what, about all this stuff. We don't have time to get into the nitty gritty details of all that. So that's why I just wanted to do an overview of some of those theories and instead talk about what I think is the most plausible scenario. You know what Occam's razor is? Yes. You want to share? What? It's super sharp.
1: The simplest exactly right. answer The simplest answer is often the correct answer.
0: That's right. So in this case, it's just what makes the most sense? So I'm going to start with what doesn't make the most sense, just to recap some of these theories we talked about. Suge ordering the hit sounds insane to me personally. You outlined what I think is the best argument for Suge being behind it, but I just don't think it makes sense. I think that Shug had the contract that got him out of prison. He was making albums and it was a three album thing. So, Shug would have known after these three albums, obviously, Tupac's going to be looking to change things up and he would have been working on keeping him. And it might have involved dangling him over <laughs> railing like vanilla ice. I could see that. But to just have him executed in the car right beside him, it just seems a little too much for me. Shug knew he was going to make a ton of money off of Tupac. And I think at least my understanding of their relationship at that point, it hadn't fractured to the place where he needed to go nuclear and have him murdered. So that's just how I feel about that. And like we said, Puffy or Big, that's to me seems more plausible than Suge, but there's still just a lack of evidence that directly ties them to anything. At best, like I said, I think there's some witnesses who say Puffy made comments like he wanted somebody to hit death row, but there's just not a lot of really credible evidence or anything that directly ties him to it. And like you just said, dirty cops, certainly that doesn't seem crazy, but somebody's got to be behind it. So in my mind, the leading theory is that Orlando Anderson killed Tupac. I don't know that. I wasn't there. I can't prove it. It's just a theory. But in my mind, having read, listened to, and watched a lot about this case and the aftermath, it makes sense to me.
1: Orlando makes sense to me because... He's the one that stole the medallion off the other death row crew member there. Then it it leads to this sort of back and forth where here we are at the MGM that night. The death row crew, including Tupac, spot him. You know, you can't hear what's going on there. But I feel like while the death row crew was having their altercation with Orlando, I guarantee Tupac had some things to say.
0: Allegedly, whenever Tupac went up to him, a lot of people say, and the way this kind of goes down, Tupac basically just rushes him. And as he's rushing him, he says, you from the South, meaning Southside Crips, and then just decks him. I mean, just levels him. And then he ends up, he's on the floor and they're punching him and kicking him and beating the crap out of him for 20 seconds or so. And then they move on. I'm sure it didn't feel good.
1: Right. So the point is, Tupac was mad when Orlando stole the medallion that called for retribution, sees him in the casino, goes after him, jumps him. So now whose turn is it? Orlando wants to get back at Tupac. And oddly enough, a few hours later, Tupac gets shot up on the road.
0: So before you steal all of my recap notes and I have to oh, sorry. redo them. No, that's, you, that was good. That was where, I mean, you're going where I'm going. And so the next point I would make is this guy, Anderson, he's not like you or me. This isn't somebody who says, gee willikers, I just got the ever loving snot beat out of me by Tupac and a dude who could be a D-line in the NFL. I think I'm going to go hide for the next 10 years. This is a guy who is a member of the Southside Crips, and he's a respected member, not an honorary one. Like, he's not the kind of guy who's just going to turn a cheek and forget about it. But people have wondered, and police, the Las Vegas Police Department, downplays the theory that Anderson's involved because this all happened so quickly after this incident. So they don't really consider him a viable suspect, thinking that the skirmish happened too soon in time to the shooting. They eventually interview Orlando down the road, but they only interview him one time in relation to Tupac's murder. Now, for me, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think when you look at the evidence, first, from the time of the scuffle at MGM to the shooting, there's not a lot of time, only maybe two, two to three hours. But given that all this goes down in a relatively close area, we're not traveling very far, it seems entirely plausible. In an LA Times article titled Who Killed Tupac Shakur, Charles Phillips reaches the conclusion that Orlando. And the Southside Crips were behind the shooting. That was retribution for the beating at the MGM, which, like you just said, is part of this lineage of back and forth beatings and escalations of violence. Now, according to this article, the Crips planned to hit Tupac at 662, the club. So they mounted up and they headed out to go get in position at 662 to either wait for when Tupac got there or to hang out and then hit him when they left. In a documentary, "Murder Rap," which is based on a book by the same title. They talk about witness statements and how a witness to Orlando getting beat down at MGM then observed Orlando and others, part of the Crips, discussing how they were going to retaliate. And supposedly one person even makes a comment along the lines of, what's Tupac thinking? We gangbang out here. That's a quote from the witness statement. So immediately after this incident, they're already, like, they know who he is and they're ready to go take action. Now, that also makes things make sense with why Tupac's the one who ends up receiving the gunfire and not, not Suge so much, because he was the target. So these dudes, they head out to the 662. Now, Pac isn't there, and allegedly they decide to go grab some liquor while they wait and get set up and and plan for their ambush of Tupac at the Club 662. These dudes, they're heading to the liquor store, they get their liquor, whatever, and do you remember how I talked about the women who were fangirling and yelling out to Sugar and Tupac? Yeah, okay. They've been interviewed several times. They recount all of this. So their story ties into other people's stories about that happening. According to several other accounts, when Orlando and these three other guys set out in a white Cadillac, they're sitting in traffic and they hear some women yelling only to realize that they're yelling at Tupac and Suge. So they hear these women, Tupac, 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 and they're like, wait, what is that? Oh, that's the guy we're like going back to go wait on to go kill. So the Crips crew sees this and they see that they're talking to these women and the women are hollering or whatever. And the crew realizes, wait a second. why, Why go back there and sit and wait when we can just roll up right here and do it now? And that's what they do. And it makes sense. Why wait? You have that opportunity that falls into your lap. Why wouldn't you do it?
1: Does that information come from somebody that was in that vehicle?
0: That's a good question. So if you need more, like you do, you're asking good questions. A guy known as Keefy D was a respected member of the Southside Crips. This dude's like kind of more, I don't know where he is in the hierarchy, but he was around for a while. He claims there was a standing offer from Puffy and Bad Boy to take out Tupac or Shook. Now, remember, this feud is no joke. Chains are getting snatched. Bodyguards are getting murdered it's a lot. And Keefy D is supposedly in the car that night. If that's not enough, Keefy D is Orlando Anderson's uncle. If that's not enough, Keefy D has said that while he was in the white Cadillac that night, he's all but come out and said that his nephew was the one, Orlando, who pulled the trigger and he watched him do it.
1: Yeah, I think the way he phrased it, the way Keefy D phrased it was, he's going to keep the code, meaning you don't snitch. Mm-hmm. The shot came from the back and... He's told us the only person in the back was Orlando.
0: There's actually two people in the back seat. There's a guy named Dre who's friends with this crew who went with them because there's four people in the Cadillac. But whenever the gun gets past the back, Dre is like, nah, I'm out. He's detailed that.
1: Who, who said that? Dre said that or Keefe?
0: Keefe. And then I think there was somebody else that, that got interviewed at some point who said Dre basically was like, I'm along for the ride, but no, nah, I'm not shooting anybody. So then Orlando, who's actually sitting on the other side of the car, leans over Dre leans out the window and does the shooting. That is, I know that's detailed in the book and the documentary murder rap because they do a diagram. They show everybody sitting there and then they talk to, I'm trying to remember the guy who's behind the book, who is in the documentary. I don't remember his source for that fact. I want to say it might've been some The other guy who was in the car in the front seat might've been the one who gave him that information. The driver? Yeah. Who says this gun gets passed back from Keefei goes to Dre because Dre's on Pac's side, and Dre's like, nah, man, this ain't me. And then Orlando's like, I want to do it. Give it to me. Now, you remember the Atlanta club shooting where Big Jake died? Yes. Okay, so that's the one where a lot of sources claim Puffy's bodyguard did it. That guy named Wolf, Puffy and his guard, they deny that they had any involvement in it. There are some other accounts, including a statement by an off-duty Atlanta police officer who was at the club the night of the shooting, that say that Orlando Anderson was at the club and that he was actually the one who shot Big Jake that night.
1: Ain't that just a dink?
0: Right? So why on earth aren't police pressing this guy? Like, how's he not locked up or at least been interviewed and then been cleared or whatever? Well, it's because in May of 98, less than two years after Tupac's death, Orlando Anderson was shot to death. But what about his uncle Keefe D? So we've talked about Keefe D was in the car. He's told everybody that his nephew did it without saying his nephew did it? Like, where did that all come from? Well, the feds went after Kefi in late 2009. He was in the streets, apparently running a large drug operation and had been doing that for quite some time. And after rounding up a bunch of his associates, the feds had enough evidence against him to put him away for a very long time. A very long time. Instead, they apparently offered him an immunity deal to tell them everything he knew about the murders of Tupac and Biggie, which he agreed to. Now, in this debriefing, he claimed that Puffy and Bad Boy wanted Suge and or Tupac taken out and that there were conversations about paying for it to happen. Specifically, he says that there were meetings with Puffy where Puffy was pretty much like, yeah, do it. Now, he wasn't saying that they were ordered to hit the hit to happen in Vegas or at a specific time or anything like that. But it was more of this just understanding that if Pocker should got got, then there would be an incentive or a reward for it, almost like a bounty on their head, like a standing bounty. Now, in 2019, Keefe put out a book, a memoir titled Compton Street Legend Notorious Keefe D's Street Level Accounts of Tupac and Biggie Murders. Death Row Origins, Suge Knight, Puffy Combs, and Crooked Cops. That's the title of the book.
1: Wow, what a daggling long title.
0: I mean, he's he's trying to go for his search engine optimization. He just wants all the keywords in there.
1: I guess, but the title should fit on the front of the book, not wrap around it.
0: (laughs) Interestingly, though, and this brings us to something you referenced earlier. In July 2023, police executed a search warrant related to Tupac's murder investigation, what, some 27 years later, and searched Keefe D.'s residence, a house owned by his wife. It's been reported that they seized hard drives, computers, old photos, and that, honestly, they have not put out anything about the investigation. Police are staying very quiet. And it seems to be something that's active and ongoing. So even though we're almost three decades after the murder, at least there's been some recent movement on the case. Now, whether that leads to any arrests or convictions remains to be seen. But as we look through the evidence, I don't know how they're going to charge Keefe D with his involvement, given his immunity deal. I don't know if there's something around that. And assuming Orlando Anderson, who seems like the most likely shooter, was the shooter... He's dead, so I'm just not really sure what's going to come out of this case. Right,
1: and the driver of that vehicle,
0: isn't he also dead? I'm. It seems like just about everybody related to this case is dead, which is another thing that lends itself to the conspiracy theories.
1: Yeah, but this is not like Lee Harvey Oswald getting shot right away and then Jack Ruby being killed right away. This is over a span of a long time. Okay, Orlando, it was a couple years before he was killed. And KVD is still alive and well. He but, just happens to have an immunity deal.
0: Yeah. And to be fair, these aren't like dairy farmers in Missouri. These are gangbangers who like, generally have a shorter life expectancy than dairy farmers in Missouri.
1: If there were four people in this car all right, Orlando's dead. We can't ask him anything. I know he'd been interviewed. See what he said when he was. Keefy D, he's talking, but can we corroborate what he's saying? Then we either need the driver or Dre from the back seat. I'm pretty sure the driver was dead.
0: So this is like the one thing that, you know, I still think it's Orlando Anderson because that's just the thing that makes the most sense. But Keefy D's whole, this feels like a guy who's trying to cash in on whatever and is spinning some yarn was he there was he in the car maybe did it go down the way he said probably not 100 percent. maybe 50 percent. for all we know kvd is the one who pulled the trigger and who's gonna argue against him at this point i don't know
1: if nobody else is alive
0: yeah nothing would surprise me but he definitely comes off with this kind of like he's making money off this he's enjoying some part of what's happening here i don't know if it's the notoriety the money the fact that he's getting interviewed by all these people and whatnot but yeah yeah r.i.p tupac
1: Yeah, that's for sure. If you're looking for the silver lining, he didn't end up married to Jada Pinkett.
0: You're not wrong about that. All I know is you better get Will Smith's wife's name out your mouth.
1: Hey, thanks for hanging out with us on the Brothers in Crime podcast. Feedback and suggestions are always welcome. For links and resources related to this episode, please see the show notes or visit us at com. We hope you'll save, subscribe, or bookmark us on your favorite podcast site and join us for the next episode. I can't tell you what every
0: single one of them's gonna do. All right, are you ready? This just in:
1: You're a loudmouth.
0: That's that's fair.